the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here with Julie Hartman. Hey, don't joke about it. This you know, could happen so to right. you. You're right. I really, I take that back. Can we start again? And of course, the answer is no. Hello, everybody. Dennis and Julie. And the reason for my silence is an internal debate. Say it. Okay. It's so fun. Do I tell people how much we love this? I just told Dennis before the show, it's the highlight of my week and it's the highlight of my life. As I know it's corny. Corn alert. I was thinking I should have like a, a fake block of cheese. Corn alert. Or a fake I love it. husk of corn <laughs> on my set and every time I whip it out. But it's true. I, I, I look forward. I love it. We haven't missed. Which given... No, it's crazy. Given uh, your schedule, yeah, it's crazy. Because yeah. he's always traveling. We're, we're both proud of that fact. Because... We really, we do love it. We we believe that people love it too because how? I don't know how someone wouldn't. Uh, this is not an issue of bragging. It has nothing to do with that. I uh, I don't I don't find a need to brag. The but we talk about really really important stuff, really really interesting stuff, and. Keep it interesting. I, I mean, why honest. would not one want that? I don't think there's anything like this. I agree. I mean, the age difference, the gender difference, the I mean, all of it. The Jew and Gentile difference, though. I'm such a reader of your Torah commentary. By the way, do you know, uh, here we go, tangent number one. Yeah. We should count it. Wait, I'm tangents. so sorry. Before, because yeah. it's, it's, as okay. a woman, yeah. it's the spoon. Dennis, why is there a spoon? She's so right. I can't tell you. I See, here's a great male-female difference. Yes. The the exponentially greater amount it bothered Julie than me. Well, I thought everyone was going to notice it. it. Uh, of course you did. That was like, oh, God, Alison Armstrong, that brilliant woman that I've been doing yeah. the male-female hour with one, one, four times a year. She, she once said something to the effect... When I walk into my bedroom, my my pillow is screaming at me. I'm not ordered right, or I'm not set right. Yes. And I realized, with all the sexual and, and physical differences, the biggest difference is the brain between men and women. No pillow has ever talked to me. It just it just works like that. Well, I'm thrilled for you. I think that it's a spoon, better life. That's, it is a better life. 
That spoon talked of to course. you. Of course. Well, I thought everyone's going to look at it and oh. think it's the most absurd thing in the world. No. There's a spoon on the T&J <laughs> set. Of course, needless to say. So, so I had a tangent. Yes, go. Can I, can I, I go to it? To yes. Yeah. So you said Jew and Gentile. So it has always cracked me up as a Jew that, in effect, at least in that regard, one is dividing the world's population between Jew and Gentile. That is hilarious. Jews make up a fraction of 1% of the world. That's like saying, you know, point two, two tenths of 1% of the world is X, but everybody else has an identity as not a member of the X. I find that funny. You know, I was, I, I hate to say that I was looking at a poll without citing what poll it was. I can't remember which one it was, but it asked um, a random group of people. Uh, how many Jews do you think there are in the world? That's right. And there were four answers. It was like, you know, yep. between zero and, and 20 million, 20 and, and 50, you know. And and or, and then one of them was absurd, like 500 million. And and the greatest answer, I think, was the third to last one. So around right, 300 uh-huh. million. Yeah, that's right. Well, I tell <laughs> a great... crazy. No, no. There are 13 million, I, You right? will love this. So it's rare, but here's a story of mine you never heard. I, I'm almost sure. I would tell you about the story when I flew my first time to Kentucky. No. Okay, so I was about your age. I was going to give a, a lecture in Kentucky. And it's a very it's still exciting to me, frankly, anywhere I go. I, I still love it. I haven't lost that youthful excitement. But anyway, I was very excited. First time to Kentucky. I was going to give a lecture in Louisville. Woman sitting next to me says, Oh, we started a conversation. And... Where what brings you to uh, what brings you to Louisville or Kentucky? I said, "Oh, I'm going to give a speech." Oh, to whom? The Jewish community in in Louisville. And so she she started to speak, and it was clear to me that she was very interested in Jews. It, it, it was not incidental. Mm-hmm. I but theoretically. The conversation should have gone, oh, that's nice. You'll really like Louisville. And good luck with the speech and then go on with some other subject or nothing. But she was. She kept asking about Jews. Finally, I actually uh, said to her, since it was clear to me, she had this, it was clear, she had this oversized view of Jewish influence on earth. I So I said, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, there are, and I assume at that time, 250 million Americans. How many Jews do you think there are? So she said something like 50 million. And I said, actually, there are fewer than 6 million. So she thought for a moment, and then she said, well, they must all live in Kentucky. That's funny. Is that great? That's really funny. Yes. What was your response to that? I cracked up. Kentucky? Really? Yes, yeah, right. Oh, my God. The scene of Jewish influence. You know, people don't have it. And, and by the way, I was one of these these individuals. I've, I've actually really tried to go out of my way recently to just understand demographics. A, because it's interesting and reveals so much. And B, because in order to be an informed citizen, I ought to understand it. Even just just... I I learned recently I had a map of the United States and I wrote in each state how many people live in that state. 
Montana has like 750,000. And it's gigantic. And it's gigantic. And, you know, there are some of these states that don't even reach a million. I never knew that. Oh, you didn't? No. Oh, that's fascinating. I I might have said, you know, two million. If you didn't know that, it shows you how few Americans would know. That's, of course, the left's anger at the Electoral College. Yes. Or, 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 no, no, not the Electoral College. Sorry. Their anger at the U.S. Senate. Well, and the Electoral because, College, yeah, actually. But, but primarily the Senate, because they're, they're saying that Wyoming, with under a million people, has, this, has two senators, and California, with 40 million people, has two senators. Well, you know what? They wouldn't care if those states were blue states, would they? But, no, they wouldn't. Moreover, that was the point of the founders. I know. I mean, it's brilliant. You know, with July 4th coming up, I got to tell you, this is this is what I have come uh, another tangent, but it doesn't matter. This is the way we work. So the older I have gotten, the more I have adored the founders of the country. Uh, that there was such a constellation of great minds at one time in one place really can argue, I, I, I can't say I, I, I know it to be true, but can argue for a divine intervention in founding this country. I totally think there was divine intervention. How could there not be? The, the, the document is so brilliant. And, and as you beautifully said, the constellation of minds and the disagreement, because I've read a lot of the Federalist Papers, the disagreement that they had and trying to balance, you know, there was the New Jersey plan and the Virginia or Connecticut plan, and they came up with with different proposals for uh, how, how many representatives should be allocated to the states. They really balanced a lot of competing interests, and they came up with this utterly brilliant, fair design. How could God's hand not be involved in that? Hmm. As I said, I think it argues for it. I, I I never speak with certitude about God because I'm not God. He hasn't communicated to me. Well, how? Yes. So, but but it does seem that it it, it does beg explanation. Such great men, great minds at one time, and what one of the things that united them was their utter and total, or well, not total, but utter mistrust of the human being. And that you you can't make a good society if you think people are basically good. Every rotten idea emanates from that. It isn't. It's really remarkable. And people who think that think they're so compassionate and sweet. Oh, people! Oh, I see the good in everybody. Well, that's fine if you see the good in everybody. Although I don't quite understand that. Uh, it's, what, what is the good that you see? You know, in Stalin or Hitler or Mao, I, I, I don't see any good in them. It's, it's an absurdity, but it doesn't matter. That that's a separate point. You have to understand they did. That's why Montana has the same number of senators as California, because they understood they don't want people to be able to rule over other people. Let the small states compete with the big states in the U.S. Senate. It's not Look, it's not a democracy. They didn't found a democracy. They founded a republic. It's not a monarchy, but it's not a democracy. 
I have come recently to be fascinated by the idea that there's a Democratic Party and a Republican Party. Those names are interesting. The Republican Party has Republic That's right. in it. Yes. The Democratic Party has yes. democracy yes. in it. And people talk about, oh, well, oh, we're, we're, Trump is undermining democracy or XYZ is undermining democracy. We're not a democracy. That's right. Proudly. It's in the name. Proudly. Yes. So I was recently in New York, as you know, and some members of the audience may, may know because I posted um, a lot on social media. There are so many things to talk about during my trip. One of them, we should get to it, is the whole city. And when I say the whole city, I mean the whole city was decked out in pride banners. Rockefeller Center. All of the flags surrounding the perimeter of the of the ice wow. skating rink i mean like 50 flags wow. or more probably more actually probably more like 100 flags were all pride starbucks had pride on the front of it uggs oh i gotta tell you about uh, they had this despicable um advertisement with all of these drag queens on it in, in front of uggs there was an i like to see how many different kinds of places had this stuff did you take and pictures art, of course oh yeah i have a lot of pictures i'll send them to sean art galleries um, there, was, there was an art gallery that had in front of it. Uh, the the hotel next to mine had a pride flag. I mean, every oh, all these corporations like you'd walk by J.P. Morgan. There was a pride pride flag out in front. It was oh, it was a liquor. Sorry, I know I keep going going. A liquor store was selling bottles with rainbows on it. And then I got on the plane, JetBlue. I'm sitting at my seat. I also have a video of this. And guess what was on my screen? What? A pride quiz. Ten questions about pride. And you could tap, you know, what is the color red in the pride flag represent? What year was the pride flag designed? I know what it represents. The communist mentality. Really? No, no. <laughs> well, probably. <laughs> they wouldn't acknowledge I, You have to that. understand, I was looking at this quiz the whole flight. Apparently it represents passion. Yes. So that's a whole other thing that we can discuss because I've been contemplating, I've been uh, thinking about it a lot, actually. But on this subject of America, I was walking on the west side of New York by the Hudson River. You see, I'm not a New Yorker. I have to kind of think about it. And we were going downtown. I was with one of my best friends. And I looked out and I saw the Statue of Liberty in the distance. I haven't seen the Statue of Liberty since I was really young. My parents took me on a boat. I'm sorry, to go which side to... were you on? New Jersey or the West or... Side by the Hudson? So then you're uh, you're on the West Side of Manhattan. Yes, West Side of Manhattan. Right. Walking yep. walking downtown right. by so, the water. So New Jersey's on your right. New Jersey's on my right, and I could see it in the distance. Again, I have another picture which I'll send to Sean. I took a picture in front of it, and I just stopped, and I was overcome with a sense of just surging gratitude. I, I looked, first of all, it's just a magnificent statue out there in the distance. Mm -hmm. And I thought about all of the immigrants that would sail in to go to Ellis right. Island and see that. Yep. And I just felt so proud hmm. that this was my country. Um, it, it was really a lovely feeling. And I, and I felt like I adored, I, I, I felt the love I had for it. And then that five seconds of surging gratitude ended, and I went into this really awful feeling of deep contempt and anger for those who are trying to destroy this beautiful thing. 
That's right. In my, I have to say it was one of the most overwhelming feelings I've had in a while. Mm-hmm. It really, mm-hmm. it, it took me by storm. And so I, later that evening, I was at an event with some people who I went to college with, some of my close friends, but it was a big group. So there were some people I sort of knew. And I said to one of them, you know, America has such beautiful monuments. The Statue of Liberty, in addition to all that it represents, is just a stunning piece of work. And you know what this guy's response to me was? What? Well, a lot of countries have beautiful monuments. And I just thought, can you for one minute, like, how, can you just compliment our country without a ca- caveat, anyway, without an addition? And, and, wasn't he, and the French gave it to us. Of course. I know the French. You're right. I the know French you did know, give but it I'm to just us. saying, it's not... It, <laughs> but it's just, can you, and, and that, that, that response struck me because I thought people are so afraid to just say one compliment, well, one source and, of praise for America. And it's not America. just America, one compliment to a white. If you compliment Shakespeare, there, there, there was, I was just reading, there was a, a whole book written by an academic and highly reviewed by the left-wing media, which is the mainstream media, uh, that Shakespeare is all about race. <laughs> well, I've been reading, by, uh, uh, what do you call them, reviews of Jane Eyre online. Jane Eyre, as a protagonist, really, she's like you. Highest compliment I could give you, by the way, because I, I revere Jane Eyre. She divides the world um, between good and evil. That's how she judges people. That's how she judges events. Mm-hmm. It's between good and evil. I, I, I went online to just see what people were writing, and they referenced like one thing. I think maybe she or another character referred to someone as a Negro, which in the 19th century, that's how you referred to... to well, that, that's, how, that's the term that Martin Luther King used. I know. So, And, and they're writing that there's all of these hidden innuendos of race and sexism in Jane Eyre. Gold dealers are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. What sets these companies apart and who can you really trust? This is Julie Hartman for Amfed Coin and Bullion, Dennis's choice for buying precious metals. When you buy precious metals, it's imperative that you buy from a trustworthy and transparent dealer that protects your best interests. So many companies use gimmicks to take advantage of inexperienced gold and silver buyers. Be cautious of brokers offering free gold and silver or brokers that want you to sell overpriced collectible coins, claiming they appreciate more than gold and silver. What about hidden commissions and huge markups? Nick Grovich and his team at AmFed always have had Dennis's back. Nick's been in this industry for over 42 years, and he's established a reputation built on trust, transparency, and fair pricing. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Dennis's friend Nick and his team at Amfed Coin and Bullion. 1-800-221-7694. AmericanFederal.com. AmericanFederal.com. These are people who are not capable of, of appreciating profundity. I'm serious. That is the only possible right. explanation. They didn't read the same book you read. Yes, yes. Because it's true. they read looking for ways to make points to dismiss it. By the way, if Shakespeare is all about race, why is he translated into every language on earth? Yes. If if Bach and Beethoven and Mozart are, are white composers, why is the why is Asia uh, the leading ba- manufacturer of young talent in classical music today. 
I didn't know that. Wow. Oh, yeah. No, it, it, I, cool. I, I watch these competitions like the Van Cliburn. Have you ever heard of that? I haven't. I'm okay, sorry. The, you're sorry. You probably are No, because I know that he's probably so disappointed because he loves this stuff. Oh, God. I'm not disappointed. And you shouldn't be sorry. And I would have been shocked if you did. But anyway, Van Cliburn, which is a, uh, is a totally interesting story about who he was, an American pianist who got, became very well-known, even to the public, not just to classical music lovers. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he has the competition. It's perhaps the leading piano competition in the world. The disproportionate number of Asians, mm-hmm. young Asians competing. The idea th- that... Western literature, music, art is generally the best. Generally. There are certain exceptions, and there's great Japanese art, which I adore, and, and I appreciate all of that, all of that. Nevertheless, to the left, that is a statement of white supremacy. Now, it's so interesting to me, if Shakespeare embodies white supremacy, and Bach does as well, they're really making a case, which is absurd, of course, that whites are superior. You said this on your radio show recently, and I thought it was so brilliant. You are absolutely, you were talking about the Oregon Department of Education saying that finding one right answer in math is white supremacy. That is so bleeping racist. Exactly. That is, it's it's basically saying only white people can do math competently in the right right way. Or compose great symphonies. It's so, it is staggeringly racist. Yes. Well, like I say it all the time, the only only systemic racism of, of our time is from the left. There was a conference while you were gone, but I did report it on the air. It blew my mind, and it's hard to blow my mind because there's not much left you would think. They're, the Greens in Europe are like the the woke in America. The, the, but they don't care about transgender. They don't care about... They, they care about reshaping the economy of the Western world and the society of the Western world. They had a gigantic conference called Beyond Growth. Have you heard about this? Well, I listened to your radio show, so you, I heard it through you. Yes, they want to limit. Yeah, that's their that's their goal. Growth. Yes, they in fact they want to go to minus growth. And, and the 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 key was the last speaker, the featured speaker, a young woman from Belgium, got up and said, "I'm going to say what needs to be said. That beneath all of this idea of growth." is white supremacy and colonialism. Mm. Got it. Okay. Do you, do you even understand that? I, I No, but I'm so used to that. It, I've just heard it all my life. People will just, they'll point to like that fake tree behind you, the tchotchke on your set, and say that it, it's, it embodies white supremacy. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. They could find a way to, to say that. I'm so used to it. It's, it's nonsensical. You know, so Harvard just announced that their new president is a black woman. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Who's the president now? A white woman? No, a white man. 
A white man. The first Jew to be president of Harvard, which shouldn't mean anything to anyone, just as the shirt, the first woman or the first black woman or the first, as I love to say, Oompa Loompa. It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter if they're a good leader, if they're competent. But, but nevertheless, this guy was the first Jewish president. Right, but it doesn't now a matter. Black woman. None of it matters. There, right, but she's the... She embodies economic growth. I mean, I'm sure she. I mean, she's getting paid a hefty salary by Harvard University. She's reached a certain level of stature in life. Yeah. So, what would that? Would you say? What would that Danish or Swedish? Belgian, Belgian the Belgian, Belgian, yeah. Well, say, say uh, to that. Yeah. Well. Uh, Sean says, let's play the clip. I'm going to say something that is unfortunately controversial to this institution, but it really shouldn't be. If we move beyond growth, we have to acknowledge what lays below our growth. White supremacy, colonialism, and imperialism. That's white supremacy, colonialism, and imperialism, and massive ovation. That's what lies behind growth. So, so again, it's an amazing statement. So only whites believe that people should ha- economically grow. You know, I, I've been having... By this... the way, the whole audience was white. I know. That's the, that's the sickening part. Yeah. I've been having this thought recently, and most of the people my age probably don't think this. But those of us who understand how bad the situation is in the United States, I bet think it. I've been I've been reflecting on what a time I was born into, and I'm I'm just really starting my life. I, I'm starting my adult life, of course. I'm starting my career. I'm 23 years old. You know, I'm not married yet. I don't have kids yet. And I I wonder what my life is going to be like. I don't. I, I fear that it will not be the life I thought I would have because I can't see any of this working out particularly well. And I'm sorry to be doomsday. As as you say, getting into the realm of prediction isn't always helpful because you don't know. But, I mean, Dennis, I pray this doesn't happen for a very long time. But you're you're in the latter half of your life. I'm in the beginning half of my life. So... I'm going I just I wonder what it's going to be like when I'm 40, 50, 60, 70. Will I be will I be protected by this country? Will I still be free in this country? Will I have good opportunities for myself and for my kids? I mean, it's 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 a really scary thought. Well, you know my question, who's it worse for? Those of us who saw America when it was free and wonderful? Or, or those of you who never saw it and are, and are growing up in it, I have no answer to that. It, it's a it's a terrible, it it's a terrible thing. So uh, uh, let me tell you my let me mirror my reaction. Okay. So in other words, how I look at it. So since I fully agree with you, mm-hmm. fully. So a I am I'm staggeringly grateful for having known America in its heyday. It's if you if you can't this is true for everyone if you can't be grateful for what happened even if it's over then that means nothing matters Mm -hmm. the past matters it it just that's what I that's what I tell people 
you know, who've, who've lost their spouse, which is, if you loved your spouse, is it, it's it's a horrible, it's a, it's an overwhelming loss. I mean, my father basically died when my mother died. Mm-hmm. He, he, was, he was still breathing, but he, he really died with her. But I, I really mean it. You have to say, while grieving, boy, was I lucky to have all those years I had with him or her. Otherwise, everything is pointless. So uh, it's a very big subject, the importance of memory. So I, knowing America as I, as I, as I knew it, is it is not of great comfort, but is nevertheless of great gratitude to me. Number two, it that's the good part of having lived it. The bad part of being, as you put it, second half of life, very very generously. Uh, it, it it's true, but it's more than that. And it, 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 anyway. Hey, with your energy and yeah, no, all you're, that, you're right. it could I, be I, the I, second I, I trust I'll be here for a while. I, 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 there's no nobody knows, but okay. A- anyway, I, I have great grief over seeing something beautiful destroyed for no reason. Oh well, right. For truly, well, of course, for no reason, for bad reasons. I also grieve for my children and grandchildren. Of course, yes. It, it, it's you. You guys won't have what I had. My children, to a certain extent, yeah, they they remember, especially the older one. But my grandchildren, you know, they're going to really grow up in a world where you can't say to the to the waitress or waiter, ma'am, sir. Because they didn't tell you their preferred pronoun. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I'm torn. Well, it's also, I mean, as bad as that is, it goes beyond that. I worry for myself and my career because I know that in, until I'm out of this, I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to talk about the corruption and the malfeasance in our government. And I seriously, for the first time in my life, worry that I may be retaliated against by our government. Look at what's going on with Daniel Penny and Jordan with the Jordan Neely situation. He's been charged with murder. And with murder? Not, e- not even with it, uh, manslaughter or, or second degree or something? I believe it was, I believe it was second degree manslaughter, but mm-hmm. he'll probably go to he could, if he's if he's convicted, yes. yeah. I mean, that's scary. Very scary. That's really scary. Well, I had I had this woman on. She wrote a brilliant piece, Peachy Keenan. So she wrote oh. a brilliant piece, second degree manslaughter, and she made this very powerful point: what they're doing, and and it, it is it is either deliberate or certainly subconsciously deliberate. It may not be consciously deliberate in every case. They want men to stop protecting people. And the reason is, A, masculine men is a threat to leftism. Every leftist man is somewhat effeminate. And number two, uh, and deliberately so. 
And number two, they want the government to have all power. If, if individuals have power, that's the antithesis of leftism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By the way, I, I'm very serious about the, the effeminate men. Uh, an effeminate man doesn't mean that he acts you know, in, in so you know, stereotypically effeminate ways, but he, he's, he is not a fighter. He is weak. He wants to be loved by everybody, and, and he is uh, generally very fearful of women. This is a very That's interesting... one of your tenets of mas- uh, masculinity. Right, is not to be intimidated by women. Uh, and when, when I... It's an interesting thing about... This is a good subject, by the way. It's a, and, and one that's probably revelatory to you at your age. It's just, you know, most, I don't, most women don't even know this at 50. But uh, the, there's a line that I hear from men a lot, all, and I have all through my life on the radio and privately. When you learn to say to your wife, yes, dear, then you'll have... That's the secret to a good marriage. And they, of course, they always say it smiling, and they often say it in front of their wife. But I never, I never really liked it. First of all, it, it's somewhat, it, it's, it's, the whole thing is, bugs me. <laughs> A, it's not respectful to your wife. Y- yes, dear, if that's, it means you don't take her seriously. Yes. It's placating her. It's it's placating. That's exactly right. Secondly, it isn't true. Women don't want that. They don't want a man to go, always go, Women yes, want dear. masculine men. Yes, exactly. And they, women, most men don't know this. Most women don't even know this. Women are always testing their man. Hmm. That That is a big theory of mine. You're probably right. Yeah. It's, and I say it's not conscious. The desire to have a strong man who will protect them is primal to a human, to a, to a female. So you just said that a man placating his wife shows that he, he, he does really, he doesn't have respect for his wife because if, well, yes, you know, if, if it he, indicates if, a, a if, kernel if he did, of say, a lack of why respect. Why would he say yes, dear, to everything? I mean, I no, most of them are joking, but it doesn't of matter. Course. The joke is not a good one. So I had this thought when I, you know, I mentioned that in New York, everywhere all over the city was was decked out in pride flags. And I mentioned the Ugg store. The Ugg store on Fifth Avenue had a huge sign, a Florida top of the window sign with four or five drag queens on it. And the the advertisement was feel heard, feel seen, Uggs. The whole thing is asinine. There are many directions that we could take this. First of all, what does it mean to feel heard? When I am speaking, I know that you hear me. Can Mm -hmm. I say that I feel heard? No, there's no such thing as feeling heard. It's pathetic. Feeling seen. I know you see me. Feel seen. And you know what it is? Okay, again, there are so many avenues that we could take this. This is this is such characteristically liberal left wing language. They've this this emphasis on feeling and these weird nonsensical statements 
that are trying to convey this message of being understood, but it's it's just mealy mouthed and weird. I'm not quite putting my my finger on it, but I just when I see that, it so rings bells. It's for not me. even understood. It's affirmed. Yes, affirmed. They, uh, yeah, that's that's one of the things. Second of all, what? So this is an UGG store. How how do you feel heard and feel seen wearing a pair of UGGs? Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is one of the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillows you'll ever own. For our exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with the promo code HARTMAN. MyPillow 2.0's temperature-regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square to get the buy one, get one free offer. Enter the promo code HARTMAN or call 1-800-566-6740 to get your MyPillow 2.0s now. It's, I mean, it's beyond idiotic, but you know the, the biggest takeaway I had from it? And I posted this on my social media. This ad, I'm sure I, I said I'm sure a lot of people walk by this ad and they go, oh, Uggs is so tolerant of LGBTQ people. That ad is actually offensive to LGBTQ people because it shows that Uggs thinks that it doesn't have to earn their business. That sign tells you nothing about the merits of the product. It doesn't show you any of their that's shoes. That's a brilliant point. It doesn't show you yeah, what their shoes right. are made out of. You Just know, we support you. We we are going to pander in right. virtue signal to and you. And you'll buy our product. And you're so weak that you'll come in and buy our product. That's, Actually, that's right. I wish people would see this for what it really right. is. And that's our job. You right. say you're a translator. Is, is that what you say? You say um, explainer. an explainer. Yeah. An explainer. That's what I hope to do. I want to alert people, just as you so brilliantly alerted people to actually the racism of calling things that aren't white supremacy white supremacy. I want to alert people to this. It's disrespect to the consumer. You know what Sean just asked me what? in my earphone? Do you know the insulting question he just posed? Oh, me? no. What? Dennis, do you know what Uggs are? <laughs> Well, I think uh, he does. Yeah. You know oh, why? Please. Can they're, I expose you for a moment? Their shoes. Dennis wears Birkenstocks. Why is he laughing so hard? I'm right, right? Yeah, they're shoes. Yes. Did you hear what I what just exposed you? What do they look like? What, 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 why don't you ask me how much a size six cost? Go ahead. You wear Birkenstocks. Uh, no, they're actually Mephisto, but they look like Birkenstocks. I saw him in them once, yes, and I yes, was like, correct. oh, my God. Uh, liberal, liberal. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and I do it while I drink a latte. With almond milk. That's, no, He's an actually almond, oat milk. Oat milk. Yeah. He's an almond oat milk boy. By the way, I want to go back to this uh, masculine thing about uh, I don't find leftist men masculine uh, because th- their desire, th- they don't, first of all, it takes no courage to be a leftist. None. It, 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 it you're going along. It takes very little courage to be a liberal today unless you fight like Alan Dershowitz does. So I'd like to ask a, a woman listening to this. The guys who uh, walked around naked at the LGBTQ v- 
various festivals. There were there were naked men at a number of them. At least I and I saw at least one guy's bicycling naked. So is there one woman living who thinks those men are masculine? Is that a fair question? I mean, right? After all, they're they're making a stance. They're they're showing. So I'll go mm-hmm. further. That was a rhetorical question. Okay. No woman thinks they're masculine. They may kid themselves into thinking they're masculine. Oh well, people kid themselves into thinking a lot of things. I mean, that th- that's that is. There's a redefined masculinity, though. Being uh, woke, uh, being for the okay, for fine. the okay. woke causes. Right, that's so, a real man. Yeah, it's hard for me to believe that women really believe that. Maybe they do. Some do. Okay, so here is an interesting question: If if you were to ask your fellow uh, female graduates from college, random fifty. All right, totally random. You didn't even know them, right? Mm-hmm. There, imagine two men. One is wrapped in an LGBTQI plus flag, and one is not. Which do you think that you, on that basis, would think of one as more masculine than the other? I would. But I don't know if they. I, that's a lot what of I'm them asking. wouldn't. Right. Okay. It's it, that's a fascinating. And some might even say the one wrapped in the flag yes. is more masculine, right? Because he is brave enough to stand up for what he uh-huh. believes in. Right. Okay. Fair enough. But I want to go back for a moment, if you don't mind, to the Statue of Liberty moment that I had because it made such an impression on me. And as I said, the first feeling was overwhelming gratitude and love. And I. In life, I know this is the most colossally obvious statement, but people forget it's so much better to love more things and to just to love than to not. And we in the United States, this is what makes me both angry and sad for leftists. They are missing out on such a great opportunity to love something. My life is enriched being an American because, of course, of my freedoms, but because I am so proud to be an American, and I love this right. country so much. That is, forgive I know you want to talk, but I'm no, sorry. No, go you, ahead. You triggered a very, I think it's a new thought for me, which I love. I revel in them, as you do. What does the average leftist love? It's a very, very pet. powerful question. Their pet. That's a good answer. You're right. Their pet. Their um. Let's see, because I love Beethoven. I I, I I love great art. Uh, I love America. I love Western civilization. I love Shakespeare, and I, I I love all my obviously my hobbies, and not to mention most obviously the people. I love my wife. I love my children. Uh, I I love my friends. I love you. Well, you're a friend, so. But but putting the, the the human part aside, the 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 average leftist isn't as opposed to liberal isn't marrying, isn't having children. Doesn't love America. Doesn't love their religion. Oh, I didn't I didn't I didn't mention that. I love my religious community. I love my religion. 
I mean, my list of loves. That's why you you're really, so happy. Oh, there's no question. There's no question about you lo- that. You, and love, as you... Sorry. You, no, go no, on. go ahead. No, love, as you and I have talked about on this show, and as my mom has told me my whole life, the beautiful thing about love, this is what also makes me believe in, in God. I think this, this idea is so meaningful. Love is not a pie. Mm-hmm. I can love you so much and love my parents so much and love my friends so much and love my country so much and all the things that you mentioned. And there's all of it to go. I can keep acquiring things to love and it doesn't take away from all the other things That's, that I love. That is an, that is, that is yes. a God given right. treasure. Right. And so I love, I love your response. <laughs> I love your response to this. Or I, I shouldn't say that. It, it's very interesting. You're right. What do leftists love? My instinct was to say the pet. That was an excellent response. We, and we should go into why, because I, I think a lot of leftists would answer their pet. But the reason why many leftists don't, in our, my calculation, love things or people is because love requires respect. Love requires gratitude. Respect and gratitude are not ingredients of leftism. Lack of respect and lack of gratitude are ingredients of leftism. So build on that because that's that's an interesting theory. I have to process it. So you can't love without gratitude is what you're saying. Yes. And since they lack gratitude, it's a very interesting point. I love you because I right. Am... So ask. So ask. Forgive, forgive me. Yeah. Ask a leftist uh, these the, your question. Then, aside from what do you love, ask them, what are you grateful for? Mm. I think they would say my pet. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I think they'd say my pet. They might say my health. Yeah. No, that's true. They they would probably say their health, and they would. Pro- that's interesting. I think they'd say maybe if they have some friends. Well, they wouldn't say, are you grateful for being an American? No. Are you grateful for being a Christian, a Jew? No. Are you grateful for being a man? No. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, That would be obvious. Are you grateful for for being in Western culture? No. Uh, So what are you grateful for? It's a very interesting question. Would they say their opportunities? I don't know. Well, if well, if they did, they would they would probably add, well, of course I'm white. Yes. Yes. So I have all yes. these opportunities that non-whites don't have. Hmm. But uh, even I more I wish we could ask. I wish we could actually. Uh, it's it's worthy of I a actually, column. I actually I I could. I know I know some leftists. Good. I can find them. Yeah. I don't know if they want to talk to me anymore. What, what do you love? I'll tell you, a lot of them don't love their parents. I mean, that, that I will say, because yes. there were so many who were don't even talk to them. But a pet is so neutral. Which reminds me, I, I want to read to you. Did I read to you? No, I didn't, because I got it since then. What is it? One of the most painful emails of my life. About a very, a very, look, I only bring wonderful people into my life, right? You know that. So he, he, here is a an email. You keep talking if you, because uh, I'm going to, I'm going to find this. Hello, everyone. I'm Julie Hartman. I know some leftists. I'm going to try to find them. They may not talk to me anymore, but. Uh... So all you ask them. Well, you know, I love, <laughs> now I'm aware of the verb should say a different verb i really enjoy 
just interrogating people about their life and their worldview, whether or not they're a leftist, I just like to get the way, way people see the world. So I would ask them anything. I would say, what are your favorite movies? What are your favorite TV shows? Do you have a good relationship with your fit? Because I want to paint a picture of the way that they see things. I've read a lot of leftist movies and and TV shows are all about race, gender, sex. I don't know. I wonder if leftists have have anything in their life, any hobby, anything of enjoyment that isn't political. Yeah. Maybe knitting. Knitting. That's funny. So you're ready? I'm not even kidding. I think knitting. All right. So listen to this. Uh, okay, so he's. Uh, I was talking about Father's Day. Wait, I'm, so this is from one of your friends? Yes. Okay. Uh, and a particularly fine and very bright guy. Okay. So he said, uh, you were expressing your hope that dads were having contact with their families on Father's Day. Let's just say it triggered me. Uh, so I, for, since 2021, I have had silence from my ex- and both of my daughters. The pain from this estrangement is indescribable. Last summer, I was suicidal. These days, I'm simply grief-stricken, which is actually an improvement. Anyway, then then, uh, it's... Really, it affected me terribly to read this. So why did I raise this letter? Because I said a lot of leftists don't like their parents. What percentage of adults who don't speak to a parent are on the left? I bet a outsized proportion, a very, very large. Why isn't that enough to tell people that most leftists, not, not liberals, are scummy human beings? See, people don't, the reason people are offended by what I said is because they don't want to acknowledge it. There, 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 undoubtedly, there are leftists, as opposed to liberals, I'm, I always make the distinction, I made it three times just in this broadcast, but uh, mean people gravitate to the left and the left makes you mean. Mm-hmm. The latter is a really important point. Because of a lack of respect and a lack of gratitude. If you don't mind, I don't mean to interrupt you, but this story just came into my mind in college. And it it shouldn't... I'm, I'm figuring out right now whether it matters if the race of the person matters, but, but I think it does. So there was a... Actually, a group of people in college who were black who would really hang out together all the time they were in the same friend group they would eat together all the time in in the dining halls and they were so mean to anyone that wasn't black in fact they would say what one of my friends was um roommates with a one of um a black girl one of the members of this group and the black girl said to her upon meeting her I wanted a right, well, a white roommate. 
And and the situation was so hostile. After six weeks, she had to move out. Six weeks into freshman year, they, she went to the dean's office and said, I just, I have to find a new dorm. And this group would go out of their way to be Wait, very I'm, mean. I, I, I must have missed something. Okay. The black girl wanted a white roommate? Yes. Oh, sorry. A black roommate. Did I say a white roommate? Yes. I'm so sorry. Oh, shoot. The black girl I said. I was thinking I was losing my mind. No, no, no. I'm clearly losing okay, my mind. So to this tell black the story girl again. said to this white girl, I wanted a black roommate. And, and was the white girl her roommate at the yes. time? Yes. There were two in a They were in a double. Uh-huh. First day of freshman year. Well, by the way, said why, I wanted a black roommate. Is, it was so awful to Why her. is that admirable? That's what I'd like to ask anyone worth their moral salt. Why is it admirable to want a roommate of your color? That's not diversity. If you like diversity, that's not diversity. Yes, that's correct. It is not diversity. But this girl had to move out after six weeks. It's like the antithesis of what the college experience ought to be, meet somebody different theoretically. And this group was so mean, not just to white people, but to other people who were not black, would go out of their way to be really mean. You can't sit with us. Don't want you to be the room, our roommate. And it was this. And by the way, I'm this group happened to be comprised comprised of black students, but there were other leftists of white leftists, other leftists of different races who were just mean. But I'm remembering this group because my friend was the girl that was had to move out of the dorm, so I remember this very well. And they like. I remember one time I said to the roommate, the the black girl who was so mean to my friend, I said, why are you so mean to her? You did? Of course. She was one of my really close friends. Yeah, but still, you you have guts. Well, I'm like, this is awful. She's so nice. She's a great roommate. This is an opportunity to meet someone. And she's like, after all all my people have been through, I can can say whatever I want to a white woman. That's it. Okay, welcome. That's what it is. I I have a right to be (laughs) mean and cruel and self-righteous because I'm a leftist and my grievances... Take hold. Hi, folks. We're delighted to announce Dennis's next listener cruise with our friends at Coastline Travel, England, Iceland, and Greenland, June 24th to July 5th, 2024. They'll be sailing on the Regent Seven Seas on one of the most beautiful, luxurious ships Dennis has ever seen. The Seven Seas Splendor with white glove service, spacious rooms, and superb cuisine. Regent is a five-star luxury line and all-inclusive. That means business class air, one-night pre-hotel in London, shore excursions, unlimited beverages, gratuitous and of course, special events with Dennis, all covered in the cost. Visit spectacular places in Iceland, one port in Scotland, the Faroe Islands, and three ports in Greenland. As Dennis always says, the best reason to travel is the kindred spirits that you'll meet on the journey. These trips always sell out fast. Click the banner at DennisPrager.com or call 1-800-345-2483. Again, click the banner on Dennis's website or call 1-800-345-2483 or email them at PragerListeners at CoastlineTravel.com. Click the banner on Dennis's website or send an email to PragerListeners at CoastlineTravel.com. I wrote this at at least 30 years ago, and I, I believed it all of my life. People who walk around thinking they're victims are going to be mean. Of course. That's the way it works. And and unhappy. It's what I... 
That's right. Well, that's correct. That's in my happiness book. Is a whole chapter on the victim mentality. Mm-hmm. And they're not. I, and it's the opposite of gra- gratitude, and you can't be happy if you're not grateful. Yes, I. I uh, that's so, and I think part of loving is being happy. So if you can't be happy without being grateful, you can't love without being grateful. People are missing out on such an opportunity to have a great love for this country. I saw the Statue of Liberty and I thought, I just thought, this is my country. This is, even though the French gave it to us, this is my statue. How lucky am I that I get to look out at this gorgeous thing? How lucky am I that I can go to Mount Rushmore and see these beautiful sights? I can go to the coast of California. I mean, we're so lucky. We should love this place. There's this there's this um, conservative thinker. I know this is very helpful to everyone. I don't remember his last name. His first name is Richard. So that narrows it down to male and the name Richard. But I wish I remembered his last name. And he has this, this uh, book about love. And he has this great chapter where he talks about that you should just love something because it's yours. Just as you love your stuffed animal because you've had it since you were five, it's yours. It's a part of your life. You should love your country because it's yours. Think about the people who live in Iraq or in Iran under horrible, brutal dictatorships. Many of those citizens still love their country because it is theirs. And they love it so much that they want to change it. There is no sense of that here. That's right. That's correct. I remember when I was in my 20s, I was in Bulgaria two weeks ago, the first time since it was communist. I was, you know, communist. Wow, you were there when it was communist? Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, totally. God, you have to write your autobiography. Uh, No kidding. Uh, It's driving me. It's one of the few things that drives me crazy is that I haven't written it yet. But I'm so dedicated to finishing my Bible commentary that I have, I, I can't do it. So... I was there, and I met a, uh, I don't remember, but I was a young woman, and I met her, and I asked her what she was doing. She was at a, at a university. What are you studying? Bulgarian literature. And I remember thinking, that's great. That is such a great thing that a Bulgarian girl is studying Bulgarian literature and majoring, majoring in it. Mm-hmm. You're a happier, richer person. For for love, what you're saying, loving yours. That's a great line. Yes, love yours. But, you know, the thing that makes America so great is also the thing that is contributing to its demise. What is so wonderful about America is that we we are comprised of so we are we are so diverse despite the the ultimate irony is that the left says america isn't diverse we are the most diverse country in the world in world history world in world yeah exactly not just in the world right now in world history we are so diverse but that but the problem is we don't have a naturally built-in identity the way most other countries do a lot of countries the reason why the country exists is because people are tied together by a certain ethnicity or by a certain religion. Half of the flags in the world, you know, I just read this flag book, half of the flags in the world have religious symbols on it. That shows in a lot of countries, the religion or the ethnicity, half, half ties it together. 
in the United States. You read a flag book? Of course. Oh, oh, amazing book. Tim Marshall's uh, A Flag Worth Dying For. It goes through. I, I, I'm so... Oh, it was the most <laughs> riveting book in the world. I did a uh, show wait, on it. So you don't, you don't mean flag cards? Have you ever heard of that? Of course. The top, a listener e- um, yeah, sent, sent me top, yes. top flag cards. I, I love that you love flags. Go ahead. Oh, my gosh. Don't even get me started on flags. Actually, everyone should go to Timeless and watch the flag episode. I can't remember the, the name of it. It's fine, Sean. Just Google flag. Oh, vexology. Vexology. I got it. Because that's what flags it. Study of flags is vexology. I did not know that. Yes. Vexology. What's the study of hacks then? Of what? Vax. Oh, it's vex. V-E-X. Oh, vexology. Vexology. Half of the flags in the world have a religious symbol on it. That's the point. Countries have to be tied. Most countries are tied together by ethnic or religious identity. And that makes it easy for... An identity. In the United States, we're so ethnically and religiously diverse, we don't have that naturally built in knitting. That's where e pluribus unum comes in. We used to really have to work and maintain our sense of American identity amidst this diversity by adhering to this idea out of many, one, we are all Americans. We, the United States, have to maintain. Our identity, which is really knitted together by values, because it doesn't come naturally. And we have lost the maintenance. We have lost the civic hygiene. We no longer work at that. And so now, of course, we're fragmenting. I love your passion. I, I, yes, I tell you, I love it too. And I am really, I feel so strongly about this. I feel like it is my life vocation to help save this country. And I will work my tail off until the day I die to do it. Why didn't you say but? That you were about to say, say but. I was going to say uh, a three-letter word. Oh. oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm working on cursing everyone. So. Yeah, there you go. All right. I'm smiling because I'm tempted to ask you the Julie question. Dating? Yeah. Oh, Dennis. Okay. That ends that. That ends that. <laughs> He always wants to ask. And I swear my mother's paying him to ask. Because she knows if she even asks me, I I won't go there. Your parents. Of course not. Do you know a woman many years ago uh, met me in a speech? I didn't even know who she was. Uh, But she came over after after my talk. She says, would you do me a big favor and introduce my son to this wonderful girl I, I met? And I go, yeah, but I don't know your son, and I don't know the girl, and I don't know you. She said, it doesn't matter. He, he likes you. He'll listen to you much more quickly than he will me. Thank you so much for saying that, because I know my parents are listening, and they yeah. they take it personally. Yeah. Oh, they, no, you can't. And I'm so close with them. I tell That's them everything. The, no. but there, there are some areas of life you don't All want right. to tell your parents about. Dear Julie's parents, want you to understand, it's part of the game they our kids don't want us to suggest possible mates that's it it's just what so is that true with with this is this is interesting because i'm a daughter what what about you yeah, have say, sons say, yeah. is it oh, the no, same yeah, thing yeah, yeah, well, well i guess no, it the, is with the woman the that's woman right, that's yeah right. was the son she wanted me to, yeah do you find as a father you could talk to your boys about dating or were they kind of standoffish with you well, it's been a while since they dated. Uh, a bigger question, if, and I'm not changing the subject, 
at least not not deliberately, is should parents intervene if they think their kid is making the wrong choice? Oh, this could be a whole episode. I know. I am so conflicted about that. Correct. What do you think? Uh, I'm. I have no answer. The problem is, it just may backfire. That's right. So you may. It, it, That's part right. Part of me would say it's not even worth it. Right, and may not work. You 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 may give ex- extremely coherent reasons why you shouldn't be dating her or him, and. They still won't be persuaded. We should also do a show. I wonder if you've ever done this on an on a male. Well, I guess it would be an ultimate issues hour. People who don't like their in laws, their parents in law, their daughters in law, their yeah. Sons well, that would be a male female hour. That would be would fun. It? Yeah, because I do family stuff. You should. Be. You actually really because it's it's pretty common. No, all right. I got a better topic for you on what? that. You'll and you'll agree with me. People who like their in laws more than their parents. Oh, that's pretty good too. Yes. Does what would you Not say? Not too. That's even more interesting. So, what? <laughs> a lot of people don't like their in laws, but there are a lot of people who like their in laws. Would you more say fifty fifty? Uh, yeah. I actually think I would. That is so nice to. If you if you have a bad relationship with your family, that's right. to be you, able to you, find you, it you, in another that, family. That's right. It is. There's a lot of hope in that way. You know what I've always said about having children? Whatever was screwed up in your relationship with your parents, to a certain extent, life gives you a second chance. And a third chance with grandchildren, yes. in a way. Yeah. Isn't that interesting how that, it all yes. works? It, it is interesting if if you but mm. you've got to take advantage of it. Uh, obviously, you have to do that. See if if you have a bad relationship or or not not a good one with your parents. So, obviously, you're not going to get another set of parents. But whereas your parent child relationship was bad or or mediocre, you have a new chance at a brand new chance at a different parent-child relationship with your child. Again, you're the parent, but it's still, it's the parent-child relationship. And and I I believe in that emphatically. M- my parents were terrific human beings, uh, not, not particularly, certainly when I was growing up, they were not a, uh, warm uh, to me. They were warm to each other, they were warm to others, which is fine. I, I, none of this is said... In any way, I have no anger. I have nothing. I am. I'm deeply grateful to them for the way I turned out. So, just for the record, but th- that was not their area. Okay, they they were not hugging. They did not. They were not verbally uh, warm. Again, growing up, when I became an adult, it was it was somewhat different. And uh, the the uh, what was the point we were making? Because bingo, yeah, it happened this time. Oh, this is really important to me, though. You have a second chance with the child. Oh yes, so that's exactly right. So I, I knew that at a very early age, and it was very therefore extremely important to me to have children on a selfish, even on selfish grounds. I wanted to have a loving parent-child relationship, and and I was also right. It filled the hole, that's the way I always put it, that I had for my childhood. I was able to fill that hole with my kid, my kids. 
you know how ambitious I am. I want a hopefully successful, long-lasting career. I just said, till the day I die, I want to fight for this country. I'm so excited to be a mom one day. So it will. I I, I, I really, want I want to see you a mother so badly uh, that I, I rival your parents in that desire, because I want you to have a wonderful life. I want you to have a rich life. That's the reason. It has nothing to do with me. Uh, but I will be presuming I'm here to see it, and I I'm counting on it. I will be interested to see how that affects you Hmm. a lot of women are very career oriented as you are then the kid comes and it blows them away how attached they become to that kid well the thing is i don't want to i am the beneficiary of a stay-at-home mom i would not be the person I am without my mom and, and the attention and the selflessness that, that she gave to, to me and, and also to my sisters. But I also don't want my kids to become my entire life because I've seen parents. Oh, that's, that's bad for the child. Yes, Not just it for is. the parent. Oh, it's horrific. I've seen parents who've put right. everything, or yes. mothers especially, put yes. everything, and then and then their kid goes away to call, and they're like, and, and they, right. they don't know what the hell to do with their that, life. That is and exactly, that's real. Yeah. Well, that, okay. That is as da- that I perceive as big a danger in you as you're becoming trans. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Uh, yeah. That's uh, no, no, thrilling that, to hear. Th- that will not. That is not a. It's not. It's not. Don't even think about it. The only question is, will you? Will there be even a tear in you? You know, I want to save America. Thank God you do, and y- you might be able. I, I. That's how highly I think of you, but. Uh, you, you're a loving creature, and and when that when that baby shows up, and by the way, I mean shows up. I didn't even say when you give birth. Mm. When which, by the way, you know for a fact, sh- you showed up. I showed up. That's right. For those you, who you, don't know, I was. I'm the ch- I am the child of a surrogate. Yes, I'm 100 percent related to my parents, but of course, right, right. But even I'm not 100 percent related to one of my sons. He's adopted at birth, but of course, as you know, it makes no difference. It's 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 as insignificant as his eye color. But I just want to tell you that's they both my boys, the biological and the adopted, showed up. I didn't carry either. So I can't speak for women in that arena. Yes. What but is for, that like for a man? What is what like I've for a man? I've never asked this to a man. I can't believe, with all my curiosity, you didn't birth. Cause That's I, right. They show up. You didn't give birth to it. That's exactly so, right. I, I can't. Wow. I, don't, I don't know what the answer. What is it like? Is it, do you feel the attachment as your wife or the birth mother was pregnant? Or do you feel the attachment when, when the kid is out of the... Oven in in your arms. Yeah, I would say that that that's the second one. The second At least one? I can't speak for all men. Interesting. Maybe you know they're very attached through the time of pregnancy, but I, I how can you compete with the person carrying the baby? Okay, Dennis and Julie tangent number one hundred fifty eight. This episode, when what you when you just said when the baby shows up. Yes, I, I that's what made me think. That's what how I explain to people that 
for at least certainly for the father, what the hell is the difference if it's a birth child or an adopted child? I didn't carry either of them. They showed up. So I was thinking recently, people view you, well, because I was actually at the airport and I was... My flight was delayed six hours, which is a whole other episode we can talk about. The the lack of customer service. It's disgusting yes. these days. But guess what? JetBlue's giving me a $50 voucher. They wrote that in an email. That anyway. beautiful. You can get ink. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I love that's where your mind goes. You can get ink. For uh, 50 bucks, there's not much you can get today. True. So anyway, I'm at the airport. I'm, I'm standing next to this guy. You all make friends in your misery. And I get chatting and I tell him that I have a show with Dennis Prager. And he was he was nice. I, I don't think he was conservative. I think he was moderate. We were talking about his child's school and how, how woke that school is. And he goes, oh, well, he, he's an arch conservative. And I thought that was interesting, an arch conservative. And as I was thinking about it later, there are so many stances that you have that someone would that that most people would not expect you to have if they if they didn't know you hmm. and if they didn't listen to you regularly i bet a lot of people including that man would be surprised that you have an adopted son i i, I bet they would think he's a big nuclear family guy you know your your stances on how uh blood is somewhat insignificant with love your wife is the most strong-willed, independent, bombastic, I don't know if that word is used in a good way, but I mean it in the best way, just just full of life, full of opinions. People would probably think you have this very docile, <laughs> obedient, Stepford wife, dead opposite. Also, your views on actions matter more than thoughts. I bet a lot of people will go, oh, he's a big, you know, Judeo-Christian conservative. He play-. There are a lot of these what, opinions. Would they expect uh, my wife and me to be the godparents of a gay couple? Of a gay kids? couple. And you know what you should do? You should almost do a PragerU video. Like, all the things you wouldn't expect about I, Dennis Prager. I, I think that's brilliant. <laughs> I, I honestly do, too. Because I, I was tempted to say to that guy, and I don't I didn't sense he meant it as an insult, but I sensed he wasn't of your right. persuasion. Right. I wanted to bring those things up. Yeah, well, they have this image of conservatives, and one of the mind-blowing things, if they meet me, and not me at, at all alone, most, is we're nice. Oh, don't don't I know this. I told, I told the story on the show. I go to this coffee store. There's a transgender barista who has she or uh, they, them pronouns and uh, P word fights back, you know, big liberal seeming person. And this trans person said to me one time, you are so nice. You're always so polite to us. You're always so present, pleasant. And I so badly wanted to say, I'm yes, conservative. Right. I bet you would think I'm a evil bigot. Right, or worse. This nice right. person that you just yes, said was so nice. Would vote for Trump. Would vote for Trump. All right. God, did this go fast. I know. It's so fun. Total. Tell everybody how to get in touch. I will, for the sake of time. Usually I kick it over to Dennis for a quiz. I guess women are always quizzing men. See that. Hmm. You can reach me at julie at julie-artman.com. I want to tell you it is painful for me that I can't respond to all of the emails. Your graciousness, every email I get is so gracious, and I so appreciate it, but I read all of them. And you can also follow me at Julie R. Hartman on Instagram and Twitter to at the very least see that Uggs 
reel that I did on Fifth Avenue with the drag queens on it. Or maybe you don't want to see that. Maybe that's not the best advertisement for my Instagram. See you all soon. It's so fun to be with you. Bye, everybody. Shalom. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.